0: At first it was just one sheep per day, but as the deadly dragon grew more powerful, he demanded more and more. Soon it was the people of Silene themselves, so intense was his insatiable hunger, his desperate desire for more and more, until... Until one day a courageous knight named George agrees to confront the dragon. After a long and bloody battle, George finally defeats the cruel beast, saves the princess, and rescues the town. With what weapon did George slay the dragon? A spear? A lance? A sword? Maybe, just maybe, the dragon was slain by love. Welcome to Slain by Love, your weekly sermon podcast from the pulpit of St. George's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all please be seated and good morning. Good morning. Happy Marathon Sunday, but more importantly, happy Transfiguration Sunday. On August 1 of last year, August 1, 2022, Chicago native singer-songwriter Chance the Rapper appeared on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. He was there because 10 years had passed, a full decade had passed since the debut of Chance the Rapper's first album, his first work, called Ten Day. But he was also there to promote and to celebrate the arrival of his newest album called The Heights and the Lows. The Heights and the Lows. And I would like to quote one stanza from the title track of that album, The Highs and the Lows, and it goes like this. I was feeling lifeless. I was feeling lifeless. I had to cut my vices. Now the feeling that I feel is priceless. In the spirit, wants me to be righteous. I know I might just relapse, get sucked in these devices, got so used to feedback, I couldn't tell what mine is. Sometimes all the outside noise just really blinds us. Beware, believe none of what you see and half of what you hear the best things in life are on the opposite side of fear. The highs and the lows, great album. I highly recommend it. Now friends, today we come to the mountain. Today we come to this this, uh, Transfiguration Sunday, this mountain, and we definitely hear about the highs and the lows. The highs and the lows of what? Well, I would argue the highs and the lows of the human experience, which I think is very similar, virtually the same as the Christian experience, the human life, the Christian life, the highs and the lows of that. Let us start this morning, however, with the highs, or what you might call the heights, the heights. Our collect this morning is one of my favorite collects in the entire church year. In it, we pray that we might, quote, be changed into Christ's likeness. I want you to mentally circle that word likeness. May we be changed into Christ's likeness from glory to glory. Changed into Christ's likeness. That, my friends, is the high. Question, where in the Bible do we first hear about the likeness of God? Where do we hear this language early, early on in the story of our Bible? Where do we hear this language about the likeness of God? Answer, Genesis 1, 26. Genesis 1, the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible. Let us make humankind, God says, in our image and in our likeness. Image and likeness. And if you read the church fathers and mothers, on this passage. It is amazing what they say because they all read it in a very strange way, a very uh, particular way. They all look at these two nouns in Genesis 1.26, image and likeness, and they say this, that notion of image is about the beginning of the human journey. And that notion of likeness is about the end of the human journey. Did you get that? The church fathers and mothers imagined the human life both individually and corporately slash communally slash collectively, they imagined that as a journey, as a pilgrimage, como un viaje, as a journey. The human slash Christian life is a journey, they say. It has a beginning and it has an end. At the beginning of the journey, we are God's image. And then at the end of the journey, they say we will have become God's what? God's likeness. Now, I can tell that y'all are with me so far. That's great. The idea here is that one day you and I will be in the likeness of God. So when the Bible or theologians talk about being in the likeness of God. They are talking about what we are destined to become. And what are we destined to become? The likeness of God. Sometimes this is called deification. Let me hear you say deification. Deification. That's a big word. Sometimes this is called deification, the notion that one day we will be like God, that we will be little, gods. After all, in John 10, 34, Jesus quotes Psalm, 8, uh, Psalm 82, 6, and he says, is it not written, you shall be gods? John 10, 34, look it up. You see, friends, this is the high. It's the high. You might call it a high anthropology to use super big words. It's this notion that, 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 that what it means to be anthropos, what it means to be human, is to have sparks of divinity in us and to have the potential to become God or to, become, or to say it another way, to be potentially God. It's a high anthropology. This is the heights of the human slash spiritual life and I want us to sit with it for a moment here on the brink of Lent, here on the brink of Ash Wednesday. In so many ways, this, this high anthropology, this mysticism that, it, that is at the heart of the human life, this is the epiphany that we have been meditating on for the, for the past several Sundays, ever since January 6th ever since the Feast of the Epiphany. This idea that we are being called not just to see the light, that in and of itself would be a super big deal, right? Seeing the light, but not just seeing the light, we are called actually to become the light. Not just to see the light, but to become the light. I don't know if you remember the collect we prayed a few Sundays ago, on the second Sunday after the Epiphany, Almighty God, grant that we, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory. Whoa! Do you realize what's going on there? Lord, help us not just to see the light. Help us to become the light, which is why my sermon that day was called Man on Fire. We are destined to become pure light. We are destined to become pure fire. We are destined to become the likeness of the living God. We are destined to become gods. But how? How can we become like God, fully alive, fully free, fully loving, fully illuminated the answer the question is how can we become like god the answer at least for today the answer is based on our lections for today based on our scripture passages for today the answer for today is through the law law through the law the law that we read about today today in exodus 24 this story about moses on the mountain with god the law yes do you realize, friends, do you realize that the whole purpose of the law has to do with this high anthropology? Do you realize that the whole purpose of the law has to do with the fact that we are mystical divine creatures? Do you realize that the whole purpose of the law was for us to be in mystical communion with God? Let me repeat that. The whole purpose of the law was. For us to be in mystical communion with God. That's what it says in Exodus 19. Just five short chapters before today's Old Testament lesson. Exodus 19. I'm going to read it to you briefly. These are like God's first words about the law. It's his first word of the law. You might call it God's first pass at the law. These come right after the children of Israel are post-Egypt. And he looks at his people and he says this. This is Exodus 19. You've seen what I did to the Egyptians. How I bore you on eagles' wings. Do you see that that's mystical language? That's poetic language. You saw what I did to the Egyptians. How I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. This is about communion with God. Now, therefore, he says, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant... You shall be my treasured possession. I want you mentally to circle that adjective, treasured. You will become my treasured possession out of all people's. Side note, we have a little angel in our church. He or she may or may not be here today. No names today. I'm going to respect anonymity. But this little angel has a gift and a panache and a flair for decorating the right house. And so just before Valentine's Day, this little angel came and, and decorated the right house in some very beautiful ways. And there's a little, I think it's a little plant. You know, I'm not really a details guy and sometimes I'm an absent-minded pr- professor type and I'm not always super observant. I think it's a little flower arrangement and there's a heart on it. that's by the door of the right house just to the left and it says, quote, you are God's favorite, close quote, God. That is what Exodus 19 is saying. You are God's favorite. God looks at his people and he says, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, then what? You will be my treasure. You will be my treasured possession out of all the people. This is about mystical communion. This is about relationship. This is about being with God. It's about mysticism. It's about communion. But... Did you hear those words obey and keep my covenant? See, that shows us that this is also about the law, the law. Are y'all with me so far? I think you are. How can we become light? How can we become the likeness of God? How can we be deified? One answer, the answer for today, there's lots of answers, but today's answer is the law, the law. It is why God gave it to us to bring us to himself to transform us into his treasure his treasured possession he gave us the law to make us like him there's just one little problem there's just one little problem the law the law doesn't actually work bummer See, we are not able to keep it. God tells us to obey his voice and to keep his covenant, but guess what? We can't. Which is why Moses had the experience at the top of that mountain that he had. What was Moses' experience in our Old Testament lesson today from Exodus 24 at the top of that mountain? Was it nice and comfy? Nope. Was it warm and toasty? Nope. Was it leisurely and restful? Nope. God's glory, it says in this morning's lesson, was a consuming fire. Wow. It sounds scary. A consuming fire. Yes. For those of us who cannot keep God's law, he seems, God seems, God appears as a consuming fire. He is holy and we are not. He is holy and we, in some very real senses, are not. God tells us to obey his voice and to keep his covenant, but we can't. Which is why Peter, this morning in the gospel, behaves like a buffoon which is why Peter this morning in in the gospel from Matthew 17 behaves so foolishly on that other mountain this morning, and which is why the disciples, it says, were consumed with fear. Fear. They had good reason to fear, and so do we. God tells us to obey his voice and keep his covenant, but we can't, or at least we don't, Ah, but there is one who can. His name is not Matt. His name is not Francis. His name is Jesus. One of the reasons I've decided to become the rector of St. George's is because someone on the search committee looked at me and said, Father Matt, we just need to tell us about Jesus. And there is one who keeps the law. His name is not Matt or Tommy or Liam. His name is Jesus. And that, dear friends, weirdly brings us to the lows. That brings us to the lows. Jesus brings us to the lows, strangely, darkly, mysteriously, Jesus brings us to the lows. We started out this sermon this morning with the highs. Deification, yes, that's very high. Our eternal destiny to become little gods, brightly shining with God's glory. Yes, it is all true. We affirm the highs, but not without the lows. Jesus brings us to the lows. You see, Jesus Christ did not remain high. He did not remain lofty. He stooped down low. As it says in Philippians 2, which we're going to talk about soon enough in our men's Bible study on Philippians, he came down. He emptied himself, it says in Philippians 2. He emptied himself and he took on the form of a slave. You don't get much lower than a slave, right? He took on the form of a slave. He humbled himself, verse 8, and became obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's pretty low. And speaking of the cross, speaking of his death, who can tell me what the very last word of the gospel lesson this morning is? What is the very last word of the gospel lesson this morning? Dead, dead. Tell no one about the vision, Jesus tells his friends, till after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. That's pretty low. The heights, yes, yes. We believe in a high anthropology, The heights, yes, but not without the lows. The lows, which are also called Lent. Lent is not a time to beat ourselves up with false guilt. No, but it is a time to tell the truth about ourselves. We are those who have not obeyed his voice or kept his covenant. Lent is a time to embrace the lows, the lows of repentance, the lows of humility, the lows of my own brokenness. But here's the good news. We don't do it alone. What does Jesus do in Matthew 17 just when those disciples are overcome with fear? Yes, they are overcome with fear. They have good reason to be overcome with fear. But Jesus doesn't just say something to them. He does something. It's a little detail, but it could not be more important. What does Jesus do just when those disciples are overcome with fear? He touches them. He touches them. Maybe, just maybe, it's not unlike the touch that you will receive, that I will receive on Wednesday of this week when your forehead is touched. He touches them. And what is the point? As we enter into the lows, we don't do it alone. He touches us. He proves that he is with us. May we be touched by him now as we eat and drink his body and blood. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Thanks for joining us at the pulpit of St. George's Austin, where the love of God in Christ slays our enemies, our fears, our guilt, our worries. How are they slain? Only by love. Special thanks to the good folks of St. George's and especially to that masterful media guru, Liam Dolan Henderson. See you next week. Peace and be well.